electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center of this hour. Your money in the final stretch of the year, whether we can still have a big rally or are there simply too many risks? We debate that with the Investment Committee. Joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Kerry Firestone, Joe Terranova, and CNBC's Jim Cramer. He is the host of Mad Money. It's great to have you here, oh, as thank always. You, thank you. Let's check the markets before we begin the conversation today. There's the Dow, big bounce. 345 points, that's 1%. S&P, better than one. There's the NASDAQ. Everything across the board is having a nice bounce today. See if it lasts, right? It was down, it was up, it was down, now it's up. So we'll see. There's the 10-year note yield, 146. Jim, you've got nearly half the S&P down 10% or more from 52-week highs. You've got technical damage, a number of stocks below their 50-day, below their 200-day. I could read you the list. There's tried and true names on there. You're a buyer. It sounds like a Christmas rally scenario to me. Do you think so? Yes. I've got to tell you why. We have all these people say the market's so high, market's so high. I mean, I, I bump into people. I actually had the misfortune of going to a Giants game this week. And I bump into so many people who say the market's so high. That's how they started. I can reel off, Scott, very strong companies that are well off their highs. And I don't get it. And I sense opportunity. And other people are telling me, Jim, how about Omicron? I don't know. The last time I looked, this actually could be something that is, that is every bit as contagious but not as bad. So it could actually, yes, block out Delta, except for in the United States where we have so much Delta, it's ridiculous. Do you feel like thus far we've kind of overreacted to everything? Yes. Powell included. Oh, my. Although Powell did make some sense by saying when people drop out of the workforce, that supply chain gets tougher and that allows people to raise money, but it raise uh, the, the wages, raise everything. But I will tell you this. I thought it was ill-timed, and I've been a a huge fan of Jay. This was not the time. I mean, Jay kind of wrote that speech like on Wednesday of last week or something. I think he's very, very good. It just was not the time to say a few months, a few months earlier. It wasn't. I challenge any of our guests to say it was great timing. No, but I mean, look, there was a lot of focus on the earlier taper issue yesterday, but there was also the comment about, well, let's just get rid of the word transitory. And it's like, now? I'd rather now, get rid of like, the word taper. You've had, a lot, you've had a lot of the commodities. Now, now when I've ever, I'm looking at all the commodities rolling up. I mean, yeah, Stephanie, listen to me. <laughs> Steph, Steph, give me a commodity that's still going up. Yes. Give me a commodity still going up right now. Yeah. Uh, Crickets. It's hard to, it's hard other, to other find one. In our <laughs> it's hard to find one. Right. And yet that's when Jay but comes But you know out. what? But Jim, <clears throat> but Jim, it's not just commodities that, you know, commodities are rolling over. That part right. actually is no, transitory. No, we got wages. I, think, I know wages. Well, wages, wages are COVID. Say wages. Wages are COVID. You have a core PCE deflator at 30-year highs. 30-year highs, right? You have an employment cost index that's up. You have unit labor costs that are higher than normal. You have wages at 4 and 9. Let's see what that wage number looks like on Friday. Do, do you, but absolutely, they should be tapering, no question. Do you think he was no worried, do you think he was worried right, about timing. Friday? Do you think he was worried that it could be a really strong number and he wouldn't? Uh, no? Hey, maybe it's going to be. But my, Well, my I don't point, know. I mean, I think 
Look, my, yeah. my point, Jim, the at the very top be, the here. The number will be hot. It will be hot. You've, uh, yeah, you right. saw enough damage in the market. That's my point. To buy more yep. Morgan Stanley. Yes. Oh, buy Chevron. Oh, yes. To finally see opportunity in the face of what was a pretty grim-looking market for, for several hours. Yes. Uh, look, I think Friday, nothing's ever a gift. I always hate that term. But, I, look, I wasn't working Friday. And, and I told my wife, Lisa, I said, I wish I were. I wish I were, because I felt in the last hour when oil collapsed, what an opportunity. I wish I had been there. Carrie, I bet you were working. I bet you did some buying. <laughs> I How was about working. It? How about it, Carrie? <laughs> um, are you as convinced as Jim yeah. is, and he just said, that you, Santa Claus rally intact still? Well, we know the market's fragile. You know, we, we've had four sessions, and they're you know, down, up, down, up. And what we're sure of is there are buyers and there are sellers and there are plenty of them. On Friday, there was $2 billion in inflows, retail inflows, one of the, the highest days on record. And, and just to the point about how many stocks are well below their high, I've talked about that before I wrote a piece on it. I've got a chart for you. Jim, you know I like numbers. This is a chart. It goes back for 10 years of data. Is this a Vinny chart? Is this a Vinny chart? Is another Vinny chart? <laughs> Because, I mean, he's going to get Can I tell you, though, yeah, she but it's in college. Do you know how intimidating she was with I, numbers? I, I know. You were, fought, you were fabulous <laughs> at numbers in college. You always scared me. Not just because of that cool black leather jacket you used to wear. But you always scared me because you were so good at numbers. <laughs> well, all right. Well, anyway, well, here we are. So these are 10 years of data. Stocks that are down 10% or more. It's not relative. This is absolute. In, in the years 2010 through 2020 or 11-20. And here's what happens. In the next 12 months, the average of those stocks go up 22.5%. And that's compared to 18% for the S&P over the last 10 years. So it's 4.3%. Better than the S&P for the next 12 months. That shows that wow. these stocks that have been going down this much are on sale. It doesn't mean the whole market's on sale. You have to be careful. But these kind of trading volatilities, which are really the sign of, you know, anxiety in the market from euphoria to depression. It's giving us a chance to find names that are very attractive. I mean, Autodesk, not a name we know. I mean, we own, we know it, but that's a stock I couldn't believe that it dropped so much. And, you know, we've got we've got some of those. Everybody has them. And so, yes, I think this is an opportunity for many different equities. All right. So so Jim Carey's helping make the point that I was trying to say at the top as well, that the number of stocks out of the S&P that are down 10 percent or more from their 52 week highs and many that you own. I'm gonna, I'll just name it. Oh, go ahead. Win, Newcore, Bristol, PayPal. Disney, which you're like a triple buyer now, right? Triple. I think you went back again. Yeah, it's kind of like a triple vaccine. Boeing, uh, Meta, Facebook, mm-hmm. American Express, and Honeywell. That's just the ones you right. own. Right. No, no, um, I took off Bristol Myers. I couldn't take it anymore. I took off Bristol Myers. Yes, yeah, I couldn't take it anymore. But uh, <laughs> okay. I've got to Joe, I'm interested in what you think. I mean, Joe, you are a sports fan. You are a fan of, I, therefore, I think you know the gambling world. Uh, I'm at the Giants game last week. I, I would have called it the Eagles game, but we were so horrible. And I see these giant win banners. And I think at, 90, at $9 billion, <laughs> are you getting anything for free when it comes to win? So you'll, now Joe's shot is frozen, so Steph owns win. Joe's so shot is frozen? That's, I mean, that's just how No, it it's not. He's it stunned by my question. <laughs> he looks shy. He was like, a stunned <laughs> man. <laughs> the gambling. <laughs> not unlike the Islanders, which I thought were supposed to be so good. They're so bad. Oh, my I God. I know. Steph, you own win. How about the point? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that they're getting no credit from Macau, and um, uh, and and I think you're getting that for free. I do think that, that their Las Vegas and Boston properties are totally underappreciated. I mean, they had record EBITDA in the month of October in Las Vegas, and no one even talked about it. No one even wrote about it. And that management team was quite bullish, quite optimistic about this whole sports betting business. They may scale that back a little bit uh, because they see so much growth here in the States. And eventually Macau is going to turn. We're already seeing a stabilization in terms of visitation rates. So I just think, yeah, at like nine times EBITDA, the stock is is really cheap. It may be a 2022 story, unfortunately, Jim, but I'm holding on to it and I would be doubling down. Absolutely. How how about if the putative owner of Wynn wanted to sell Wynn to either MGM or Las Vegas Sands. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Matt Maddox is leaving. Well, I mean, you know, I think I'm Matt talking Maddox about never Mrs. wanted Wynn. the CEO talking job. About Mrs. Wynn. Does she, <laughs> Miss, she's involved. Yes, I know. Perhaps someone would say too involved. Elaine. Some would say uh, Elaine is too she, involved. She, All right. she could be a seller. There's Joe. Joe, your shot is back. No, he's still stunned. Who took my helmet? I want to be in the game. Someone took my helmet. Yeah. We'll yeah any team in the NHL did. <laughs> All right, Joe, you're back. You're back in the game. All right. Thurman Thomas is back in the game. Yeah. So, so sometimes, the, the, reflecting back on my trading career, I think sometimes the perception is worse than the reality. And those are ultimately the greatest trade setups. So I think the market here in the last week has basically taken the Joe Frazier left hook and the Rocky Marciano uppercut and has not wobbled. And the market knows that it can okay. handle both. Well, it wobbled. And I'm talking I mean, let, about, let's not kid ourselves here. It, it, it wobbled. Okay, and it, it uh, wobbled. It, it didn't go down. It, it, well, okay, well, it went it down wobbled. a lot. I was on the canvas. It wobbled. It was on the canvas. It was on the canvas in the last. If you want to go on. and complete no. it and just say it Absolutely. got a standing it eight count, I'd canvas. say you're accurate. No, but. it was not. It was not it was not on the canvas. It was not on the canvas. The market and the market might have once there's an announcement that Omicron is here in the United States, market's probably going to dip once again, but we could absorb it. We could handle it. The market will stabilize from that. I think that the fear of Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve tapering faster than we were concerned about and tightening quicker. We can handle that. It's not going to be so bad in the reality. It's the perception that's worst. I think with the same thing as it relates to Omicron. And at the top of the show, I heard you talking about commodity prices coming down. Guess what? Natural gas is down 27% since October 1st. Oil is now trading below $68. This inflation fear that we have, again, the reality might not be as bad as the perception. And on the other side of this... We might be, just be able to normalize monetary policy and have an environment where Goldilocks is actually present. Well, I thought Goldilocks was also uh, this Omicron, which, which maybe Omicron, not Omnicom, Omicron, uh, if it is more easily contagious, as you know, there was an out. You know, we, we look at these different organizations and we don't even think about them, what they know. But we've got an organization that's led uh, called UCL Genetics Institute. Uh, just about in the Telegraph today. Uh, Professor Francois Ballou is uh, in charge and he, he's the director. And he says that this is every bit is extremely contagious and it could displace Delta and yet be less virulent. That's Goldilocks. Right. Well, Look, I mean, you could also say what you said earlier about Gottlieb. He's not convinced that it can 
outpace Delta. Well, I know, but you know, then again, he is on the board of Pfizer and Illumina. As he always reminds always us. Always reminds us. No, no, no he has always, despite, no that, despite that fact, he, despite that he fact. has been right the entire well, time. Well, no, I think everyone got scared yesterday because um, Stefan Bansell, whom I greatly appreciate and it's terrific and discovered him when the stock was at 18 a few years ago when I was JP Morgan Covers, he told Meg that he wasn't that concerned. And then by the end of the day, he was ex- incredibly concerned in an FT interview. And when I see that kind of, uh, I don't want to call it lunacy because that would be incorrect because he's too good. But when we see that kind of inconsistency, that caused the market to go down badly. Well, so if we have inconsistency regarding voices on COVID right. and we have inconsistency on voices on the Fed from the Fed chair himself, where does that leave us? It leaves us with taking a look at the stocks that you talked about at the beginning of the show. How many are so good? You know, I've got one. And again, I'm going to defer to my uh, old partner, Stephanie. But Stephanie, have you looked at a a company called MasterCard, a $300 billion company that (laughs) that is down from 401 to 310? Is that, you know, how many times have we seen MasterCard down this much? I mean, that's an amazing That and Visa. That and Visa. Visa. That that and Visa. But, But I just prefer American Express, though. Just love, because it's yeah, so much Express. cheaper than Master, MasterCard and Visa, right? And we know they're going to be buying back stock next year. Not they're barely buy. buying anything this year. But they're heavily investing this year so that next year when business travel comes back, you'll, you'll see operating leverage uh, on the bottom line in terms of earnings. And I think the stock, I mean, 17 times earnings, high quality company. This is the ultimate reopen name, but uh, it's one that I bought uh, uh, more of on Friday. But I hear you on MasterCard. Right, I mean, but you're very right. The moves have been just uh, so Express severe. Was, Express was at 189. Now it's 150. Uh, See, these are, Judge, this is what I'm talking about. We so little, so rarely ever get stocks that are down this big a percentage. You know, people come on the show and say, listen, it's time to buy NVIDIA. It's down three bucks. (laughs) We're talking about companies (laughs) have been shelled. The other sort of part is stocks that have ripped a lot, like an AMD which you let everybody know today, I think, in the investment club. Bulls make money, bears make money, hogs get slaughtered. I woke up yesterday. We were restricted, as I mentioned. I woke up and I said to myself, because I have a completely sick mind. I should wake up and talk, think about good things. I woke up and I said, I am being a complete pig, not just because I ate too much on the holiday, but because I have an $80 gain on AMD on an $80 basis, right? I mean, some of it is the average will up about 80%. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know about you. I, mean, I know that someone like Curry can have a position for years and years and years and have it go up substantially. But, Curry, you know there is an element of wanting to take something off the table when you have an 80% gain. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that it's been an unbelievable stock, just like NVIDIA. And if you have an opportunity and, you know, maybe you have some losses to have said it, if it's in the foundation, it doesn't matter. But, right. yeah, I mean, why not take, a, take profits or profits, right? And an 80% gain on a, a company that has a cyclical component is never a mistake. Thank you. Okay. On part of the Thank stock. You. All right. Then Does why anyone not? know how good she is, by the way? How much money she was for the business? I was running my hedge <laughs> fund, but I also had money, what, in the Fidelity Biotech Fund? And you're really killing me. It always drove me crazy. Yeah. I stopped looking at your performance after two years. I said, I'm not. Enough. I'll just put my hedge fund in her, in her Fidelity account. So let me ask you this. If, in, if AMD, stopped. if you feel like you're in danger of being a hog in AMD, yes. so you take a little off the table, why not a Ford? Why not an NVIDIA, There's, as Carrie said? Ford, I think, is up like 100 and total little Ford. Total little Ford when it doubled. So I already did that one. You did, okay. NVIDIA, that would be like killing my dog. That's the toughest one. <laughs> 
you know, my dog's name, you know, I've got I know NVIDIA that. the second. But NVIDIA, I just went there and I saw things. I went time traveling with Jensen Wong. Time traveling. I know, but it's still I went to the globe theater year to date. I am being a pig in NVIDIA. Okay, I decided I was, couldn't be a pig in Ford anymore. Couldn't be a pig in I couldn't be be a pig in AMD. I admit to being piggish in Nvidia because this may be a ten trillion dollar stock. What would it take for you to buy some of the AMD back? Oh, if it if, if it dropped another fifteen twenty points ahead of the Xilinx closing, I would do it. Mm-hmm. The other one I wonder that has been like a port in the storm of late is Apple. Which you've always said, don't trade. Right, own. and I've just owned that, and I don't sell that at all. What would ever get you to buy more? Or do you already have too big of a position? I heard definitively that they would finally break down what the uh, revenue per user is on all bases, you know, service. I mean, I have a friend, my friend Laura Canigliero. She ran a technology uh, research for Goldman. She was in a terrible accident last week. And because she had the watch and she was unconscious, the watch notified her daughter. Dead. And her daughter directed where she go, what hospital in New York. And it's the watch. I sent a note, note to Tim about this. He probably gets too many of these notes to comment back. But if we could possibly find out that once you get 13, and by the way, ATT will give you one because their margins are so awful, I can't believe it. Verizon will give you one or, or T-Mobile. What you have, Judge, is basically a situation where you may just be at the beginning of the big service ramp. Now, I've asked this, uh, Luca Maestri, I've asked this so repeatedly that they laugh at me on the call. But I don't care. Kind of like uh, Sam Gerard when, when someone says I didn't kill my wife. Right. Uh, great movie, obviously. Um, all right. So the commentary today, not only from, I feel like, the desk, right? Joe, you, you're like, okay, we're all good. You say Christmas rallies. Christmas rally. Because rallies intact. Ed Yardeni, uh, they think the Fed, yeah, they're behind the curve. But what they're saying now is a positive development. There is plenty of liquidity, he says, to drive stock prices higher. We aren't giving up on Santa Claus. UBS, base case, we expect market focus to gradually shift away from Omicron and toward positive growth, allowing equities to resume their upward course. So that's where the commentary, let's bring in Brian Belsky now. He's in Toronto for us today uh, with BMO. Is that where you're at too? Belsky, are you still as bullish as you were before we even found out about Omicron? You know we are, Judge. Thanks so much for having us. Um, you know, I think it was more of a fire aim ready uh, from in, uh, clients. And we've seen that now for the most part for really the past two years, Scott. And it has to end at some point uh, in terms of this reactive, uh, led by fear type of investing. And so we already started to see some signs, quite frankly, of the market transitioning to more of an earnings and fundamentally driven market, especially in October, November. Uh, but then, of course, oh, we saw the news with respect to the variant, which we, of course, reacted to and focused on the negative. But, you know, any time the market goes down, it's, it's incredibly humbling because especially when you're bullish. So you have to kind of go back and look at what you've been saying and, and why you're saying it. And so if you're still looking at a situation where we believe inflation has peaked, where valuations have actually peaked, where uh, earnings growth is going to still be positive, we still see that the stocks are going to be very, very positive. And in fact, we're sticking with our 5,300 target for the end of next year, and we're sticking with our 4,800 target for the end of this year. I think December is going to be one for the ages. I think it's Ooh. just going to be amazing. Wow. wow. Um, all right, uh, Pollyanna Belsky. Uh, interesting <laughs> forecast. <laughs> well, mean- listen, listen, Scott. There's no, there's no reason 
Okay, and I said this on March, 20, March, March 23rd of 2020. There's no reason that the stock market can't go up to the same degree that it went down. And that's exactly what happened. And I think once the stock market, to quote a, a line from the movie Billy Madison, has its Miss Lippy moment, whoa, 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 Miss Lippy, the part of the story that I don't understand is, this isn't that big of a deal relative to what happened before. Society is much better positioned. The market's much better positioned. And I think that this too shall pass as the normalization, moderation, whatever you want to call it, is not going to be a one-year event as we said last year. It's going to be a couple, three years before we moderate, and that's okay. Yeah, I know, but there's so much we still don't know about this new variant. We, we feel, I feel like we're all now what we were so concerned about. Now it's today, oh, it's no big deal. Everything's going to be just fine. And oh, by the way, the Fed chair just told you yesterday, and he made his point twice, as Steve Leisman continues to say, um, underscoring the fact that it wasn't a mistake in what he said, that they're they're going to be tightening uh, or at least tapering quicker than maybe we thought they would and potentially tightening faster, too. So so three things. Number one. Um, I really believe uh, that, uh, that Mr. Kramer, His Majesty, is onto something. I believe that the speech was written Tuesday or Wednesday last week. And he probably, if he had a chance, he would not have said that, number one. Number two, again, when you write 20... Uh, it, wasn't, tw- it was not in his written remarks. That, well, that's just not true. Well, let's just well, say he this. Planned it. He planned it. He planned it. He planned it. That, okay, that's number one. Number two... I've, I've forecasted the S&P 500 as a senior strategist 24 times in my career, okay? When you go back and look at uh, where you would have been right, where you have been wrong, it's in, in, incredibly uh, humbling. And in 2020, 2011, 12, and 13, we were very vocal against the Fed that they should have been more aggressive. And so I think it's actually a good thing that he's starting to talk about the tapering side of things. And then lastly, just in terms of overall positioning, I, I just think the market, again, is not deep defaulting to fundamentals, defaulting to what we believe is the best asset in the world, which are U.S. equities in terms of where earnings are and cash flow and stability. I think that we're going to see inflows back into the U.S. because of the discernibility of earnings, because of the discernibility of trends, and because fundamentals, I think, here are going to continue to lead the world for the next three to five years. Okay. I mean, I have to play devil's advocate, but Joe, I mean, the fact of the matter is we're not going to lock down. And despite a taper quicker than maybe we expected, there's still an awful lot of liquidity in the system. Earnings are still going to be good. And as Belsky says, where else are you going to put your money? All that's pretty powerful relative to everything else and all the risks we're talking about, isn't it? I also think that one of the concerns investors had was the earnings season in January. What was that going to look like? Were we going to have to be uh, talking about margin compression, the margin compression that didn't come in the prior quarter? I think now you have to have a degree of confidence that that outlook is going to be significantly better than we previously feared. So I think that's additive to what already is a formula, as you described, that's one that continues to dictate investors be invested in the market. And as I said at the top of the show, I think the reality, the collective reality of all of this is far better than what we feared. I understand that maybe Chairman Powell spoke at a time that was inopportune, but he got the message out. He set the expectation now for me as a speculator 
I now understand the worst case outcome could be he's going to f- tighten and taper faster. He acknowledged it. Okay, go do it. The market can handle it. They didn't just acknowledge it. I mean, they've been telegraphing it too, Jim. I mean, it was the most telegraphed taper of all time. We expected that December was going to be the announcement. Exactly. I mean, but I then, just, but then the new variant came about. So, well, that's why I, I, I think that Brian was right that this was kind of, kind of cooked it up. But I also think he's got a strong employment numbers. We talked about with Stephanie, and we also know that supply chain interruptions no longer slow the economy, but they just make it so it costs people, uh, costs companies more to hire. So, I mean, he's he's wary of that. But in the end, I mean, look, we have a decent, we have a pretty strong economy. And we also are overlooking all these people say who are creating businesses on Shopify. I had Harley Finkelstein on the other day. Uh, we've got uh, Dulce from Toronto made me think of this. You know, there are about four, four million new companies created mm-hmm. in just a very few, just a short period of time. So I'm tired of the great resignation. That's a stupid comment. I'm calling it the great reinvention. People are reinventing their lives, and I think it's fantastic. We don't celebrate it enough, and they're creating companies that couldn't exist before the web, before Wix, before Adobe, Shopify. Let me do this in the 90 seconds that I that I still have you. No, Brian. no, you've got. You, you, I, I'm, bra- I'm giving me the 1230. I'm, I've changed the time. Minutes. The breaks. Fine. Technically, I have 35 minutes. Right. Uh, sales department doesn't think so. Um, no, I have sales force. I think you're is adding here. BlackRock. You're adding Pfizer. We don't generally speak about individual names, but you're able to do it. You're adding BlackRock, Pfizer, J.P. Morgan, and Oracle at the expense of Citi, Visa, Texas Instruments, AT&T, and CVS. You want to tell us why quickly on a you know a few with of the exception those. of ATT doesn't have to tell us why the to methodology sell that. there because that's a yeah, sell now yeah, sell later it's like buying very out, quick later. very very quickly uh, we run nine different mandates with nine different benchmarks so AT and T for instance was an automatic sell because at some point they're going to to have to cut the dividend we still own AT and T in seven or eight other portfolios principally because I want to own Batman in my portfolio when it gets spun out on the CVS side it's no longer a value stock from our eyes. With respect to, to, to the J.P. Morgan and Citigroup, it was, is quite frankly an even switch. Why? In our value portfolio and our dividend growth portfolio, because Citigroup dividend growth is, is nil. J.P. Morgan is going to be increasing. And so we think that's going to be what's really going to be driving things. We also added Shopify to one of our core yes. portfolios. Reason is, is I think that's, why, that's where you want to be, and Kramer said it best. Lastly, in terms of Visa, we already own MasterCard and PayPal. You can't own everything. And we're just kind of tightening up our payment stocks. And in a true portfolio manager fashion, we want to have tracking air. We can't own everything. And that's why the stock market is a market of stocks, Scott, and you have to think of it that way. He's trying to make you feel good before you say anything bad about any of these moves. I can't. I, I've known Brian for as long as he's been in the business. It's okay. I, 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 I like, like the guy, look, too. But the top, okay, let me give you the bad. toughest one. The toughest one I find there, J.P. Morgan, much higher quality than City. But, Brian, I, I keep thinking about this uh, tangible book value of City. It, 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 what, it's about 78, 79. I, I, I'm not asking to, to stay in City Group. I am asking you, how the heck did that happen? There could be such a disparity between the stock price and where the uh, tangible book is. I think, it's, I think it's because of the scale factor. I mean, when Citigroup kind of changes business model, they're not as scalable as some of the other money center banks, and I think that's why it's hurting that. And so I'd much rather own the play of scale, uh, meaning Morgan Stanley, Goldman, J.P. Morgan, and of course the great Canadian banks, BMO, mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan, and, and TD, because they're multidivisional lines of business. I got I to gotta bounce. It's, it's, great really to, uh, it's great to hear from you as always, Brian. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank you. All right, that's Brian Belsky. Up next, a first on CNBC interview with the United Airlines CEO, 
Scott Kirby, also tomorrow, the 20th anniversary of Enron filing for bankruptcy. Don't miss our exclusive interview with Jim Chanos. He began shorting Enron a year before its collapse. We're back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. For almost two hours this morning, the Supreme Court heard historic arguments on abortion rights. The controversial case could allow states to significantly limit access to abortions. The conservative justices, who make up a majority of the court, appeared sympathetic to a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. A decision in the case is not expected for months. And on the news tonight, full analysis of the case and today's arguments tonight at 7 Eastern. Meantime, Massachusetts Republican Governor Charlie Baker says that he will not run for re-election. Baker has focused on fighting the pandemic and some of his restrictions have been unpopular among Republican Trump supporters. And the CDC ordering airlines to provide information on passengers who have traveled from southern Africa. The airlines must now share the data within 24 hours of arrival in the U.S. You're now up to date. Scott, I'll send it back to you. I right, appreciate that very much. Speaking of the airlines, United flying what they call a, quote, game-changing, sustainably-fueled flight today. But the cost of sustainable aviation fuel will definitely be a challenge for the airline industry as a whole. Our Phil LeBeau now with the first on CNBC interview with United CEO Scott Kirby. Phil. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Scott Kirby, well, you couldn't ask for a better backdrop and nice weather (laughs) in December. (laughs) We'll talk about Omicron, the impact you're noticing in just a bit. But let me start first off with the plane that's behind us here. You're going to be flying this along with John Slattery, CEO of GE Aviation, some other folks. It's not a commercial flight, but it's going to be powered one engine completely on sustainable aviation fuel, the other one with conventional jet fuel. So there will be conventional jet fuel uh, there for the use. My question to you is this. Everybody knows that you have to go to SAF, not just you, the entire industry. Is the infrastructure going to be put in place to bring down the cost of SAF? Yeah, so this is a historic day for United, for aviation, and for the planet, as we're going to demonstrate that we get exactly the same results from one engine on traditional jet fuel, one engine on SAF, and it'll be the first time in history that there's been a full plane of passengers on board the airplane with us. Building this industry, though, is the critical point, building supply. 
We know how to do it, we can do it, but it's going to require significant investment to build up the supply of SAP. It's a minuscule today. Uh, and so today is a demonstration, but building this industry is really the future ahead. Is that the key to bringing down the cost? Because right now it's yeah. three times more expensive, yeah. and we've got this on air, we've shown this. The yeah. cost of SAP is three times yeah. more than jet fuel. That's absolutely the key. But we just need to run the same playbook that we ran as a society for wind and solar power. Twenty years ago, everyone thought wind and solar were uneconomic, could never compete with coal or natural gas. Today it's cheaper to produce a megawatt of electricity with wind and solar than it is with fossil fuels. And the same thing can happen here. We just need the right infrastructure and certainty about the future. Let's talk about Omicron and the impact yeah. that you're noticing. Today, you guys start flying into Cape Town. Yeah. You are not changing your plans in yeah. that regard. Are you noticing any pullback, either in terms of future bookings yeah. or people saying not comfortable flying either into South Africa or transatlantic yeah. into Europe? Yeah, look, we've always known there were going to be more variants. And we've said COVID, the recovery from COVID will never be a straight line. It's you go ups and downs. Uh, Omicron is, is almost certainly, it's too early to really tell, but it's going to certainly have a near-term impact on bookings. Bookings are going to be lower than they otherwise would have been. But, you know, I think this will be three steps forward and one step back, whereas Delta was two steps forward and one step back. And the next variant will be four steps forward and one back. We're much better at dealing with this as a society. Vaccines are likely to prove effective again, and it's great that the mRNA vaccines could so quickly be re-engineered, even for a new variant, even if it escapes vaccines. So we feel confident still about the long term. Nothing changes about where we'll be 12 months from now. But I do expect we'll have a near-term you know, dip in revenue. But the dip will be much smaller than it was for Delta. Scott, I know that uh, Scott and the rest of the halftime team have some questions for you back in the okay. studio. Uh, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, Scott Kirby, it's great to have you. Jim Kramer, I'm going to defer to him. He's with me today. He has a question for you. All right, Scott, you're a complete hero of mine because what you did was realize that we could put an end to COVID if everybody just played by the rules and did what was right to take the vaccines. And I want to know, one, how did you know? And two, how did you have the courage to do this since I've seen so many people yeah. in your shoes be scared of those who would like to give us COVID? Well, thank you, Jim, for the very kind words. Uh, you know, first, I followed the data and the science on this really closely from the beginning. Um, I'm a science nerd anyway. I ironically read a book in Christmas of 19 about the history of pandemics around the world. Um, and, and, you know, it was clear early on that vaccine requirements were going to be the right way to get out and get past the requirement. You know, a lot of people have used that word courage with me. I don't think what we did at all was courageous. You know, well, it was just doing the right thing. And, you know, the people that have flown our airplanes into India uh, when they were carrying oxygen canisters in or flew planes back and forth to China at the beginning of the crisis or flew medical professionals into New York and New Jersey when it first started, those people were heroes. That was courage. We just did the right thing. And, uh, and once you realized it was the right thing to do, to me, it was a pretty easy decision. And instead of thinking about and worrying about the consequences, we said this is the right thing to do. We're just going to do it, and we'll deal with the consequences, whatever they are. Scott, one last question, and it has to do with vaccines and with COVID-19. You have said the target is transatlantic flights, traffic, will be 10% better in 2022 yeah. than in 2019. Yeah. Given this Omicron outbreak, do you still believe that? Do you still stand by that guidance? I, I still think, we've, we've talked about next summer, that we'll be back next summer. And, and have, we'll be flying more across the Atlantic and think our, I think our demand will be up at least 10%. I still think that's true. I think we'll be past Omicron, well past Omicron by then. And we're just getting better. This is endemic. COVID is now endemic. We're getting better as a society at dealing with it, accepting it, and, and figuring out how to manage 
and live our lives safely, uh, even in the face of, of COVID. Scott Kirby, CEO Thanks, of United Bill. Airlines. Thank you, Scott, for yep. joining us. Scott, I'll send it back to you. We yep. got lucky on the weather here in Chicago. <laughs> this is not what we usually see on December 1st. Uh, we'll enjoy it. No coats. Uh, I see that. So that's a tell right there. Guys, thanks so much. That's Phil LeBeau. And, of course, Scott Kirby. He's the CEO of United Airlines. Um, all right, Kerry, your comment here about owning airline stocks, you, you don't. You say buy at your own risk. You know, in terms of your bona fides, which Jim was talking about at Fidelity, I know them extremely well of the airlines. You say I covered them at Fidelity. It's a silly business, unprofitable most of the time. You said those are your words. Strike the word silly. Strike the word silly. It's not as it's a real business. And of course, we have to have airlines. It's a very tough business in which to make money. You know, Mr. Kirby knows that. And all all airline executives have had trouble because of the cyclicality. When they are having great business and the planes are full, they have a tendency to buy a lot of aircraft. And that has often been the downfall of airlines, as Jim well knows and Steph knows, really cyclical. And they spend too much money at just the time that they really should be conserving money because it takes a long time to get those planes into the system and buy those gates and mm-hmm. and get the mm-hmm. crews up on. Uh, and, you know, and, and so it's, it's really tough to make money sustainably. You argue with that? Uh, there are these moments, halcyon times, and then they do. It seems something seems to happen. I mean, Carrie, I, I almost felt like when we had the situation where uh, Secretary Mnuchin was trying to save the airlines, that I said, "Here we go again." And yet, I didn't foresee that. But I think what you're describing is how I've always felt, which something does happen. If something happened with retail, we know these companies would come through. If something happened uh, in in railroads, uh, we would come through. If, if something happened in healthcare, but this industry street goes down all at once. And you're right. I mean, I always feel like I do like United down here for trade into your into cross border. <laughs> but you're right. It's it's always it, it's just something that does keep you up at night. Uh, look, it really look does. At, you said speaking of going down. What? CRM. Oof. Oh, no, wait, a sec- wait, 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 wait. Hold your thoughts. Right, I've got that's my way of teasing yeah, it. Yeah, you, you better talk yeah. about it after this. Hush play. your the mouth. Down seven. Oh, but the stock's almost down eight percent. Oh, my God. It's equal. Like. We'll debate it next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Okay, let's talk some Salesforce now. Those shares right there down 7.5%. That's despite a strong earnings beat. The company's fiscal 2023 revenue guidance did fall short of the street's expectations. I know the reverence you have for Mr. Benioff and company, and I know how much you like this stock. All right, well, first, let's go over some numbers. Let's start with 68. Mm -hmm. There's 68 public quarters that Mark Benioff 
has beaten expectations. I've been with him for 65. 65 of them I have backed this stock. That puts the stock back at 12. Uh, second, there are people who were convinced that there was uh, more competition than ever. He pulled away from any competition. Third, Slack was amazing. And to quote Mark Benioff, who I am proud to call my friend because he's in real life my friend, uh, you have to do what Matthew McConaughey says, which is you just keep going. This is not anything other than a dollar, strong dollar induced, I don't even want to call it a cut, moderation of what he thought they could do. Look how much he beeped this current number by. I think there's some people who say, well, wait a second. They've got a co-CEO. Mark's going away. No, Mark's the, Mark's in, Mark's the, it's not the closer. Mark is the introducer. This, we're going to have some spectacular numbers from, uh, from Brett. Okay. Brett Taylor. Now, I know Brett Taylor, people could say, Jim, he just got rid of, um, or he just had an interaction at the board and at the, at the Jack Dorsey level because he is the chairman of the board. But the man has unlimited energy. He's a 25-hour-a-day guy. I love those. So if I came back to you and I said, look, I previously owned it. Right. But there are better opportunities today in the cloud. You've got to give it I to like, me. I, I like IBM. And I just bought a little more HP Enterprise today. Now, well, do you know whose words those are? <laughs> Uh, Do you have any Scrooge idea? McDuck? I don't Can you know. put Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie Link up on the screen, yeah. please? Because this is the lady who <laughs> used to run your charitable trust, and I know With you have a tremendous amount of respect for, and those are her words. So those, are, those are tough words. Um, I'm not going to call them fighting words because I like Steph too much. I do think that Salesforce won't be good for another two days. These kinds of selling last forever. Um, I, I, IBM, I want so much to work, Stephanie. I really do. And I, I struggle because I, I, I just struggle because it just seems like you can't get any traction. I know that that's not a reason to say, hey, listen, uh, uh, to stay away. I do think that, uh, that Arvin Christian is doing a terrific job. But I am, I am the action, so to speak, Stephanie does uh, give me concern. Well, yeah, the action is, has not been good this year. But, I mean, that's why the stock trades at 11 times forward estimates and right. you get a 5% plus dividend yield while you wait. This is a transition story, and you know. know that they take a long time. So just like Wynn being a 2022 story, right. IBM will be. But I really feel very confident. You've got easy compares. You've got the, uh, tons of M&A. They just bought another cloud company this week. So he's up to, like, 20 acquisitions in cloud and AI and that sort of thing. And that's going to ha- take fold next year. That'll be synergistic next year in the year thereafter in the meantime he's got 35 billion dollars in free cash flow between now and 2020 end of 2023 he's going to be buying back stock and he's been doing m&a and it's just going to take a long time and hpe is kind of the same story they're transitioning as well but they just beat on the fourth quarter they guided in line only because of supply constraints their order growth was up 28 percent year over year nine percent sequentially and they grew double digit orders in intelligent edge compute and storage so to me these are Give, give me this. Sales Let's form. wait till after it's this quarter. It's not Salesforce. IBM. I Let's got wait it. till this quarter after this quarter. I, IBM. How about that? Wait till this quarter. After this yeah, quarter. I, I think that's fine. Tough that's why I say quarter. I think it's a 2022 story. I'm with. We'll, we'll, I'm re- we'll regroup after the quarter. We'll see what IBM delivered, and we'll see where Salesforce is at that particular time. And you'll be back with us. I know you're with us every quarter anyway. So I'm with you every month. Every month. All right. Good. Yeah. We'll make the timing. I have such a great. I have such a great idea at the end of this show too. You let me have 30 seconds. Of course. Okay. Thank you. All right. You got it. <laughs> ARK Invest Kathy Wood. We're going to tell you the shares of a new stock she's buying. She was just with us on CNBC Pro, too, an exclusive. You'll hear from her next.
All right, welcome back. Kathy Wood buying about, about a million shares of Twitter yesterday. That was a day after Jack Dorsey stepped down as CEO. Ms. Wood spoke exclusively with our Sarah Eisen about it on CNBC Pro earlier today. Well, the new CEO has been, uh, been there for a while. And uh, we like, under his leadership, what they're doing from a monetization point of view. We also love uh, Twitter's positioning as a verification platform uh, because we think that's going to become huge with NFTs. Uh, the verification is what's going to make NFTs value, valuable, the scarcity factor. Uh, so uh, we're we're pretty we're pretty excited about what's going to happen at Twitter. Okay, what do you think? I mean, Jack's out. Kathy Wood buys it. Should we? Well, if they do what you and I know, they must do, which is to clean the Aegean stables. This new CEO can take a very hard look at getting rid of all the assassins on Twitter. They won't. All the, no, why not? He's got a chance. He, he can radically, down, radically take down the daily average users. It certainly is right. And just make it so everybody uses the real name. And then people will come back in droves to Twitter. It's become the meanest place on earth. You know that. But I mean, this man that, could clean the cesspool. He could clean the love way, canal. Is that the only way that you would buy the stock? Yes. Because, right, there's the business and then there's... Right now, it's just uh, about assassinating good people. And I, I can't spare it when my friends go on. My kids can't bear it when I go on. Let's clean them up. Let's get rid of all the nameless people. Let's make it so people are people to people. It will become gentler, and then the advertisers will come, and they can do that. Now, they'll say the advertisers are coming already. But I don't want, I don't want engagement leading to violence and fighting and anger. I want a peaceable place to talk and interact. Well, Steph, you, you did own this stock. You don't any longer. What do you make of what Kathy Wood said? I mean, I think I think it's interesting down here. It's off 17 uh, percent on the year. So it is worth a look. It's trading about seven times price to sales. And that is actually one of the cheapest levels it's traded at in years. Problem is, is there is a lot that needs to be done to monetize a lot of the pieces that they have. Number one uh, and, and number two, they are just so very inconsistent yes. in terms of MAUs on a regular basis and engagement numbers and that kind of thing. So I think you get to let the dust settle on this, but I, I wouldn't, I, it's on my screen for sure, uh, just because it's pulled back so much. But I think it always takes a little bit of time also for the new CEOs to kind of find their footing. And it might be the case here. All right. Uh, if you did miss the exclusive with Kathy Wood, you can go to cnbc.com slash pro and see the entire interview. I urge you to do that. By the way, I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity coming next week. The CNBC Investing Club is hosting its first club member event. That's next Thursday, December 9th, 1230 p.m. Kramer's giving investors his game plan for 2022, going over the 30-plus holdings in his charitable trust and talking a recent initiation as well. He's also going to be fielding questions live from club members looking to position their portfolio for the new year. He'll have an interview as well with a special CEO guest. That sounds exciting. Thank you, Scott. Look, this, uh, we have a lot of people who are interested in the club and a lot of signups. And I think it's great. This is something I, I take very personally. These are all personal anecdotes I do. I was going to tell one. This one would be a little jam, but about how my mom wanted to buy a, a particular company. I wanted to say, listen, it's like all birds. It, it, you might love the product. That doesn't mean you should buy the stock. There's too many people who love product and are buying stock. Got to get out of that, and I can tell a reason why. And it, it's, these are personal anecdotes about real trouble. Will Stephanie be in one of the personal anecdotes? Well, those will be a positive. <laughs> 1230? 
<laughs> Other than the fact you won't be watching our show from 1230 to 1. You know, it's okay. We wish bring you. a hoagie, bring we a cheesesteak. There you go. 1230 to 130, December 9th. It's a live digital special event. Do not miss it. There's the QR code. You know how to get it on the website, cnbc.com forward slash investing club. Final trades are next. A reminder, tomorrow, our CNBC halftime exclusive, Jim Chanos, the 20th anniversary of the Enron bankruptcy. Don't want to miss that. Bethany McLean's going to be with us, too. She's one of oh, the first journalists to write about the, uh, the Enron situation, too. So we're, we're looking forward to that. It's a big day. Our Scott Cohen's going to be on that story all day uh, as well. Fantastic. Gosh, was he at the forefront Fantastic. of that whole thing, too. Uh, what do you got coming up? On okay, that? I've got here a gym box of peppermint bark. Did you know that today is peppermint bark, National Peppermint Bark Day? I love means- peppermint bark. William Sonoma, that's who wrote this. This is Laura Albert. The stock is now down from 220 to, to 192, and it had an amazing quarter just two weeks ago by William Sonoma. And tell Laura thanks for the look. I didn't get any. Uh, tonight, Unity Software, don't Unity you? Unity Software. You have Unity tonight, right? Yeah. It has your name on it. Yeah, you, and this is uh, Omniverse Metaverse, all right? And it's very, very big. You know, I don't know if you know John. John is like the man who can put cameras on every single person in the NFL, and you want to do your fantasy? You just ISO your guy. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Steph, look forward to tonight. Thank you. Steph, yeah. Bath and Body Works is a new buy. Woo! Yeah, it's a new buy. I think they're positioned well for the holiday and 2022. Why? Because they have the products that people want, new extensions in terms of products, and 90% is sourced in the United States. So people are going to be able to get it. So 10 times EBITDA, groups at 14 times. All right, good I like stuff. It. Carrie? Booking holdings, it's down 20%. People are traveling. Okay. And Joe? Lamb Research. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Love having you here, as always. What a great show. Yeah, it was fun, as always. Thank you. That was it for us. The exchange begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. At Capella University. You'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.